0: Hello friends, welcome to Opening Life. In today's episode we'll be revisiting Disney's exploration of jazz in the afterlife, the movie Soul. Hard to believe it was released one year ago this week. If you haven't seen the film, it would be great to give it a watch before listening to our conversation. If you saw it months ago, this could be a good time to give it a second viewing. And if you don't plan on watching the film, this conversation can still connect with the unfolding drama of your own soul's story. We're glad you can join us. Welcome, everybody. I'm J. Kyle Gregory, and I'm here with two people that are very dear to me. Uh, One of them is the co-host of our Opening Life podcast. That's Brittany Williams in Atlanta. How are you, Brittany?
1: I am doing fantastic. A little tired, but that is okay. I'm doing good.
0: (laughs) Great. And the other person is a very old friend of mine that I'm quite familiar with because she grew up in the same house that I lived in. My daughter, Rebecca, who is a healthcare consultant in Oakland, California. How are you, Rebecca?
2: Doing good. Um, It's actually a rainy day here in California, which is a change. Happy about that and looking forward to the conversation.
0: Yeah. Great. Well, you should also be happy you're not in Beijing today because uh, the air quality today is like forest fire quality and there's no forest fires in Beijing today. We are here today to talk about a film that we all have seen. I believe we've all seen this film now twice and that is uh, four
1: times. It took me a while to get through it. And no kidding, the last, the fourth time was maybe finished five minutes ago. Wow, (laughs) impressive dedication. Good for you. I needed to get it right, the the fourth time's the charm. (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, it's a film that uh, quite a few people were talking about uh, when it came out. So we're going to open a conversation about life through the movie Soul. None of us are film critics but I'd like to simply ask you guys, if you were to summarize your response to the movie in three or four words, what would those words be?
1: I would say, um, I'm gonna choose four words. I would say cute, confusing, creative, and incomplete.
0: Could you unpack that a little bit for us, Brittany?
1: yeah okay so first i did think it was cute it had a lot of really sweet elements to it um when i saw the little blue souls folding floating around i was completely in love with them they're so squishy and um cute quiet coyote i love that i don't even know where to use it because my nephew doesn't respond to anything like that He's <laughs> so round Um, but there were a lot of cute elements in it like even some of the references that they made where um Uh, soul number 22 was like messing with the Knicks this whole time, which is why they kept losing and all these really cute, cool references to pop culture. I thought they did a great job with that, but it was confusing because I feel like they were trying to um, unpack too many messages at once. And they never actually fully focused on one message to completely unpack. And so I feel like maybe where they were trying to give us human souls, some solace in, the fact that we're all not alone in our quest for purpose and maybe life isn't about that. I feel like they just added more confusion to this question that we already have. of Like, what are we doing here? Um, as far as creative, I definitely think that there were some very creative elements like the way um, things were represented like the, how they represented the afterlife and the great before and the great beyond. I felt like it was very creative because we as, you know, natural humans don't have a real concept of what those spaces look like or what they may be like. So I felt like the way they represented that was very creative um, and I loved the way they, um, used an opportunity to bring in a lot of like black cultural references like there's a scene where Erica Badu's song is playing in the background and that is like unheard of in Disneyland so I thought that was a really creative way to you know nod an ode to a lot of um, elements about black culture but I feel like the movie was incomplete I feel like they left a lot of things hanging there's there are still so many questions that um, that it created and I get it like P- art is supposed to, you know, leave us with questions and make us think, but not Disney movies. Like Disney movies, were supposed to make us happy and make us feel like <laughs> joyful. And this one just left me confused and annoyed. So that's what I mean by that.
0: <laughs> so, well, since you saw it four times, did, did that confusion and sense of being annoyed, did that grow with each viewing or is that, how did that play out? It grew know?
1: with each viewing. And I was really frustrated with that because usually what happens is if I watch a movie, I consider myself like an amateur film critic. If I watch a movie the first time and I'm annoyed with it and I don't like it, that usually tells me it's not that the movie was bad. It's just something you don't understand. Watch it again and see if you can figure it out. Usually by my second or third time, I'm like, oh, okay. I either love it or like, okay, whatever. But this one, I got more and more annoyed every time I watched it because I got more and more confused. (laughs) <laughs> and more, I, I just even had more and more of these questions of like, if Disney doesn't know the answer, then who does? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Rebecca, what would your three or four word summary be?
2: Yeah, first of all, I just want to kind of quickly just say, really resonate with a lot of the feelings that you just expressed, Brittany. So the three words that I'm going to share First, the word human, uh, the second word is disconnected, and the third word is endearing.
0: Okay. Can you unpack those a little bit, Rebecca? Any one of those?
2: <laughs> the word human, I think, just strikes a chord with really the, the key questions that this film really brings up and stirs up inside of us, right? Like. Who am I? What's my purpose? What is success? Uh, So a lot of the things that even Brittany brought up. Uh, The second word, Disconnected. Uh, We can definitely unpack that a bit more when we get into the scenes. But I think the thing that I reacted to the most is there seemed to be a overarching theme in the film of connection and disconnection. When I say the word disconnected, the thing I'm thinking about is being disconnected from the body, disconnected from the soul. But the disconnected that I really resonate with the most is what is life's purpose? um, Why are we here? What matters? I felt like it was quite disconnected from some of the key things that I think do really influence who we are and how we experience life the systemic influences, the environment that we grow up in, the culture that we grow up in, those layers that are really hard to depict, um, but I felt like we're really missing from shaping human beings in this film. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's really important to address when we're talking about purpose, life, and livelihood in general. Mm -hmm. And then with the word endearing, I think that's really more of my gut emotional reaction to the film. I grew up with a father who happens to be in this conversation that was a jazz musician and currently is a jazz musician. Uh, just brought up a lot of emotions, uh, warm emotions about, you know, falling asleep when I was a kid at these gigs, late at night, trying to stay awake, hearing the sax, um, hearing the piano. All those instruments really bring up concrete memories and also people that I grew up with. So I had a lot of people and emotions pop up in my mind as I heard those sounds and saw those images.
0: Great. Well, for my four words, I don't know, now I kind of feel like a, like a naive kind of old guy.
1: Uh, Cause you No, guys- Kyle, you're not allowed to feel that way. <laughs>
0: Look cuz you guys are giving this penetrating um, c- <laughs> critique and so i th- the first time i saw the film i f- think i felt a lot of what you guys described were also to use your word rebecca endearing things i mean actually the very first scene the first time i saw it so joe's like directing the middle school Uh, Jazz Ensemble, and they're playing this Duke Ellington tune, Things Ain't What They Used To Be. And by the way, they do a great job with the music and also a great job of replicating the sound of a middle school (laughs) band. Um, Though the trombone player, she was like, if she was a middle school trombone player playing like that, uh, I think she'd be planning to move to New York shortly after finishing high school uh, because she sounded great. But when he's directing the band, and then the way that whole opening scene played, where he's, you know, he gets excited when he hears her, start to, to really blow. But then he comes home and he's talking to his mom and she's, cause he now got this job offer and she's excited for him. And, and he's feeling, oh man, now I gotta, like my dream, I just wanna play, but now I gotta teach, you know, this middle school band. I've lived that. So, the first time I was watching it, uh, I'm sitting next to uh, my wife, uh, Rebecca's mother, and a tear came down on my cheek. <laughs> when he was, just from his facial expression, you know, and just that inner conflict about, which is one that, of course, many human beings, you don't have to be a jazz musician, We're familiar with the crushing disappointment that life often brings to us of our dreams and passion, or to use the soul word in the light of our spark. Back to my four words, (laughs) I decided to take my four words directly from the movie that uh, Dorothea, I think that's her name in the movie, the alto player who leads the band, when she's telling the story outside after they play the gig. And she tells him the little story about the fish in the ocean. But these are my four words. This is the ocean. So uh, we had agreed um, for this conversation to each identify a scene that connected with us and another scene that didn't connect with us and talk about that. So in the hopes that we might, in spite of some of our um, dissatisfactions, (laughs) we might be able to perhaps end on a high note. Why don't we start with the the scenes that uh, didn't connect. So Rebecca, what was the scene that you chose to talk about in terms of disconnect?
2: So the scene is Joe Gardner gets, Uh, home from a gig that he just worked so hard to finally play and he's feeling a little down almost unexpectedly and sits down at the piano and after some reflecting really thinks about you know the things that really felt like made life worth living the small things so he takes out a half-eaten piece of pizza a bagel uh, a maple seed Uh, I think a lollipop and thinks about all the memories that he has also of growing up and, and uh, how, how the people in his life really shaped who he was as well. And the reason I felt kind of disconnected from this film was that I, I felt quite ambivalent with the message being, it's really just the small things that make life worth living and as long as you live in the moment, and as long as you enjoy that one slice of pizza you have. And I feel ambivalent towards that because I, I agree that those are a lot of a lot of the things that make up really what what makes us feel and exist as human beings and remind us that we're alive in a positive way. But I also felt like it was taking away from the bigger question of What about the other big things that really actually do matter? Living our day-to-day and focusing on that, we forget to look at our community and we forget to look at our relationships beyond our immediate bubble. I felt like it focused too much on the small bubbles and, and it didn't think about the bigger picture. And does it really matter that I, you know, have that perfect job and I have, you know, all the things that I want in life. As long as I have the small things, as long as I enjoy each day, I'll be okay. I felt like bigger concepts that the film brings up about even job security, uh, access to healthcare benefits, um, and, you know, all those things brings up a lot of the things that do really make life uh, a bit better, (laughs) If we have those basic things, if we're working together to do that, we can't actually enjoy the small stuff. The note I want to end on is that scene is supposed to communicate really, so what? What's the reason? What is Disney trying to tell us? And when I think about the action that that scene spurs, to me, the action felt more oriented towards enjoy the small things, be thankful to be alive rather than spurring action to be a part of something bigger and really think about how you're engaging with your community in your daily relationships and in the bigger picture to actually work to actually make this world a better place for everyone and to put time and energy into that. And so that's where I felt disconnected from it was uh, I actually feel like the big question leads to that bigger question rather than just enjoy the small things.
0: you have a response, Brittany, to anything that Rebecca said?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like the scene that I felt the most disconnect with um, is on the opposite end of yours. It's near the beginning of the movie, Rebecca, but it's also a similar reason for why I felt disconnected. Funnily enough, um, it happens when they're in the great before, which all the scenes in the great before surprisingly are where I felt the most connection to the movie. It's when they were on Earth where I was like, I cannot deal. But um, the scene where they go into the Hall of um, of Achievement and George, Joe Garner is impersonating this great, you know, philosopher person in hopes that he can help uh, Twenty Two find her spark so that she can get an Earth pass and he can take it and get back to his body. And I feel like that scene in the movie was a contradiction to the whole movie because you go into this space and Bjorn, Professor Bjorn or whoever his name is, Mm -hmm. you see all of these great things that he has done. And they're supposed to be walking 22 through all the great things that this guy has done in hopes that she also sees something that she connects with and then wants to go live life She puts Joe Gardner's hand on the the kiosk and then it turns into his space. It's not the hall of accomplishment anymore. It's the hall of your life was boring and you sucked. (laughs) And I didn't really understand that. I was like, if this is supposed to be the space where you're supposed to walk through and find all the cool things that this person did as to why you should now want to go live your life then why is why are we seeing scenes of him like sitting on the couch looking lonely or eating you know dessert and then at the end of the movie we see him doing all those same things as, and those are supposed to be the small things that he enjoyed so i'm like I don't really understand what you all are trying to say right here I don't know if you're trying to say that if you didn't do accomplish all these great things like Bjorn did and all and most of your scenes in life are you're getting rejected from this gig and that gig and you know you're you had to settle for teaching the middle school band and you eat cake by yourself in a restaurant and you come home and watch tv alone then your life was what? So that scene right there is where my confusion started. It's where my frustration started and it was my biggest disconnection in the movie.
0: Uh, There's overlap between things that you guys have shared. This kind of message about valuing, you know, the little things. Is there any way that that message can coexist perhaps with the, the other things that you're feeling disconnect about, or do they feel like so completely contradictory that there's not really even space for their coexistence?
1: I personally feel like they're too much of a contradiction. And here's why I say that. I think in Disney terms, in the um, everything is awesome and cute Disney space, We want to be able to believe that all you have to do is just enjoy the small things and your life is going to be great. But the messages we receive in the real world all the time is if your life real, if we get to the end of your life and your life real looks like you sat alone in your living room and watched TV by yourself and ate dinner by yourself in a restaurant and you ended up teaching middle school band, then somehow you failed in life. Ideally. We would want to be able to receive that message that if you just, you know, watch the leaves fall and feel the sunshine and lay down on a grate as, you know, gross New York subway air blows your clothes up. <laughs> as long as you enjoy those moments in life, that you succeeded. <laughs> but we live in the real world and we know that's just not the, the truth of it, yeah. unfortunately.
0: Anything to add on that, Rebecca?
2: Yeah, um, I think I, I definitely would agree that it, it's kind of hard to reconcile the two. Kind of led me back to almost some, some realizations I had in moving to the United States and feeling that's, that being a part of American culture specifically and that success is something that you achieve as a, as an individual person in this world, how are different people going to react differently to that message? And I know I had two selves within me reacting to that. The Italian self saying like, well, if I, if I showed this to an Italian saying, Hey, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make your life count and you gotta achieve as much as you can. At, by yourself, people would probably just laugh in your face uh, because you're, you're taught pretty early on that uh, nothing changes by the individual. It's really just if you get the community in the group um, that decides uh, we're going to change this, that's really only where true change happens. It's very, we're very cynical of uh, individual achievement and the ability of a person to to, to influence that way. So um, I know I took us kind of on a tangent there, but
0: no, that's rather I felt that,
2: that kind of colored a bit how I feel about how this message will resonate with different people and I know I, I resonated in different ways my American self and my Italian self reacted to it differently
1: I actually appreciate you saying that because I feel like what need, th- this movie was very much written in like the American tone of voice mm-hmm. from the American perspective and I, I'm really curious to know what it would how it would come off if it was written from another cultural point of view, far removed from the American ideal of like grind, 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 succeed and get to the top all by yourself or else you failed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and I'm actually, Rebecca, I'm going to, to use a jazz term. I'm going to riff on, on your uh, imaginings in talking about what disconnected with me and take it in a musical direction Um, because actually the biggest, uh, the scene that most provoked me, uh, musically uh, as a jazz musician, uh, relates to what you shared Rebecca about this kind of individualistic paradigm. And that is where, uh, Joe's, you know, when he's at the rehearsal with Dorothea Williams and playing for the first time, remember, He's, you know, he starts soloing. He doesn't know what tune they're playing, but he's just, he's listening. And then he's just playing chords. And that's all cool. That's good. But then you remember he starts like elaborating. And then he drifts into what also they refer to later in the movie as, you know, like being in the zone. You know, which again, like like in, in the world of athletics, we use that term. All the time, like Steph Curry's in the zone hitting threes, one three after another. <laughs> he goes into the zone where he's in a space all by himself. And he kind of drifts off in his world. You know, he's enveloped by this kind of, I think it was blue light. The other musicians fade from his awareness. And then he drifts off. Earlier in the movie with the middle schoolers, he talks about that's kind of the objective, like to get lost. Actually, that's a good way to get yourself fired um, as a jazz musician. Because <laughs> uh, remember, he comes back, then he stops, and then everyone's looking at him. Well, if I'm playing with a guy that is not listening to everybody <laughs> and is like doing his own thing, is not is not concerned about the music, which is the music is always the product of what we do together. That's not a guy that I want to work with. It kind of reflects what you said, Rebecca, in terms of mm-hmm. that, this very individualistic view also of, of what is you know, the height of jazz achievement. It's that they're individuals released to be in, in his or her own world and you know, to release their individual expression. That's not the kind of folks that I want to play with. I want to play with the folks that always are aware of the reality that we're a team. And this is about the music that we give to the people. In a sense, it's not about us. (laughs) It's about what comes through us to the people.
1: you talk about joe gardner in that moment where he just kind of went off on his own where in real life that would not have that would not be a um a positive point for a jazz musician if you look at his whole life throughout the movie a lot of a lot of it was just about this is my big break and this is my life and this is my opportunity even when he was in the barbershop um when well he was a cat at this point and 22 was living in his body you know the barber goes I never wanted to be a barber I wanted to be a veterinarian and he had told 22 oh that guy was born to be a barber like he was so focused on his own dream and his own desire to find his own success that he missed everyone around him to the point where the guy's like I'm glad we finally talked about something else other than jazz because that's all you ever want to talk about (laughs) (laughs) so I feel like um this is, this is where I feel like the movie could have taken a, a different turn if it would have spent more time showing this aspect of how Joe Gardner changes from this self-focused standpoint to more of a, it takes all of us to make our lives purposeful. Like one life is purposeful based on the people in it, based on the people that, you know, connect to this one life. That's what makes it purposeful. I wanted to know who Lisa was. I wanted to know why we hear about her like a few random times, but we never find out what that was about. Um, Even his relationship with his dad, like we know his dad introduced him to jazz, but outside of his dad and jazz, we don't know anything else. I feel like there was an opportunity to get more into the community side that that we missed out on because the whole movie is basically about Joe and his obsession with the music. Right.
0: So guys, if possible, uh, let's see if we can find a point of connection with the film. Brittany, you have a ray of hope uh, to, to give us connecting. This film and your story.
1: Yeah. So my my biggest points of connection in this movie, I feel like, happened in the great before. Um, And it's one specific line where all of the little souls are playing on that, on that building and they're all having fun and the building falls over and it lands on them. And Joe's panic's like, oh my gosh. And and then they all float out, like everything's fine. And 22 goes, oh, don't worry about them. They're fine. You can't crush a soul here. That's what life on earth is for. (laughs) And I don't know, I, I don't know if it's just the cynic in me. But I love that scene. I love that scene. I love that line because it, it, it reminds me that, you know, our truest self is the self before we come into life and experience all of the things that try to crush us. And if we can somehow get a glimpse of who that person was before, like I think about my nephew who's three and his whole world is perfect in his own little head. Everything is possible. Everything is perfect. And that scene reminds me like, Do whatever you can to hold on to that self before you experience all the disappointment in life, because that is the self that is going to carry you through life. That's the self that we want to be the dominant self in life, not the cynic that I can be a lot of times. 22 is my favorite character in the movie, because I feel like she's the most like me, Mm -hmm. just life is scary, let me just stay over here where I got this part figured out. And then she's forced into it and all the things that she finds that she loves are these little random things that nobody else could care less about and yet they make her whole existence. And I feel like that's me at my core, my truest self. Like the Britney who doesn't have to worry about working or paying bills or any of that stuff. Like the the response, I tell people that um, if I was just born and sat on a corner somewhere without actually having to you know be a responsible citizen in society I would just be like the free floaty hippie who just like dances in a field of flowers all day and thinks everything small is awesome (laughs) and that's who 22 reminds me of so I love that scene because it reminds me like don't let your soul be crushed by life on earth like fight as hard as you can to stay that, that, that innocent little soul that wouldn't let anything crush it.
0: Yeah. You know, another thing, just to stay with that, just a little longer with the the scenes in the great before, uh, one thing that struck me through the, the way that metaphor works is, at least I read it this way. I don't know if you guys did, but just kind of the miraculousness of the fact that we don't really choose who we are, that that that's given to us. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's not like the little souls we're like shopping around. Let's see who do I want to be. Uh, I think I'll take a little of this or from a cafeteria, I'm gonna take a little of this and a little of that. How we kind of assume we can construct ourselves, right? Mm-hmm.
2: The more opportunities I have to just not make a decision (laughs) and not have to choose and actively shape something, um, I welcome them sometimes. And (laughs) there's something comforting about knowing that this is something that I actually can't control. And it's something that I lean into. I learn how to work with it. There's some things I can influence, some things I can't, but I just try to appreciate what I've been given. I know when I start asking myself these, these questions that have caused a lot of the confusion in this film, I actually find comfort in being able to sit back and say, well, this is who I am. I'm suck at this. And I probably always will, but I'll learn to deal with it. And I love this. And this sets me on fire and I'm not sure why, but it just does. And And it kind of feels something truly from the great beyond otherworldly it's it's hard to pinpoint so Mm -hmm. um it's comforting and i think the the more we can kind of instill in you know even the young kids that are watching this to know guys just because you feel right now like you don't understand who you are and what you want part of it is beyond your control and it'll be okay
0: for you Rebecca if you found one
2: yeah so funny enough my my point of connection goes back to a scene that Brittany brought up um a little bit ago which was the barbershop scene Mm -hmm. and the I I just like I don't know I it, it brought up a lot of positive and warm emotions for me that barbershop scene uh and really it comes down to the point where you just see that Joe has been at the barbershop probably thousands of times, um, same chat over and over again. Um, and I feel like I get into the rut of that a lot of times, you know, you're, you used to seeing this person for a specific purpose in your life within this little box and you have the same chat and because of this switch of souls, <laughs> um, it opens up life. Um, it, it starts bringing up topics beyond just, why are we always just talking about jazz? And so he says, you know, how come we've never talked about life before? And, uh, and so, you know, I think Joe kind of answers, well, you know, I don't know. We always just kind of talked about jazz and, um, and then Joe really goes back to the barber and says, you know, how come I didn't know about all of this, about your life? I didn't, that's kind of cool that I figured out a bit more about who you are and, that you like being a barber. And he says, uh, the barber responds, well, you never asked, but I'm glad you did this time. And the reason that really connected with me is I actually feel like some of the most genuine connections I've made with strangers that then turns into kind of a beautiful relationship organically has been the few times where I pick my head up from, oh, I'm just using this interaction for this specific point in time in my life, or I'm at the barbershop, well, I'm, I'm getting a haircut, or I'm going to this work conference. I, I actually put in the extra energy to be like, wait a second, I'm going to ask a question that's kind of maybe not typical for this context, but I'm going to ask you who you are. And I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you a question that actually tells me a bit about you and i i find the couple of times that i have taken the energy because it does take energy to really put time and effort into that outside of what you expected that encounter to be and i i would say the handful of times i can think of where i've done that usually that relationship went beyond that first interaction usually that person reacted very vividly to my question like almost surprised being like oh well you actually want to know who I am. You don't really just care about <laughs> this conference that we're at. And um, I feel like that just really connected me to why I want to live my life. You know, what What I love most about being on this earth is those small interactions that you are able to grow into something bigger because you just simply took the time to ask, well, what about you?
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> who are you? And... And how, he, as human beings, that's really all we really, I mean, could hope for. <laughs> right. Wow, this person actually wants to get to know me. And it makes you feel special. And it makes you feel um, worthy of living. And uh, so I, I just love that. Yeah,
0: that line struck me too. Uh, well, you never asked me. They feel the authenticity of, of your just turning to them. Giving them your attention, um, and that in some ways some can feel kind of rare. Like I remember, like Rebecca, you you gave you shared with me. I, you can go into it if you want, but you shared with me a conversation with a person that you met in the Bay Area. Probably this will resonate with you too, Brittany. But these these things can happen anywhere, not just in the Bay Area, but in these kind of places with a lot of driven people and you had a conversation Rebecca that felt very transactional um, it was supposed to be a conversation where you were getting some counsel from someone and it turned into a conversation about them kind of uh, reviewing their achievements for you we know what the opposite feels
1: like I must say Rebecca that was my experience a lot in the bay too
2: <laughs> and you know I think What's important is, I mean, I've met people like that all over the world. So I, I have to remember that. And I do think it's more concentrated in the Bay Area for sure. But, you know, I think I've learned to uh, to recognize that. I try to not let that stop me from the next person I meet. I, I, I'm, I still really believe in, in, in assuming... That it's maybe not gonna go that way. And and assuming that if I put myself out there and try to ask a vulnerable question about them or even say something about me, yeah, I, I might I might get burned. Like I might within the first 10 minutes know, hey, this is not going in the direction I want it to, and it's probably gonna stay that way. I hope that there are more people that will break out of that. And I think you can't break out of that unless you're one of the first people to do it trying to (laughs) keep the faith. That's kind of what I go back to. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: What else do we have? Right. Well, Hey, concluding our conversation, I want to go back to the scene where again, they're outside the jazz club dorothea and um joe and she tells the the story after after remember he says that he's surprised you know here because they do the gig standing ovation his dream is realized and then he says something like well i thought i'd feel i thought i'd feel different and then she tells him the story and actually i I took my, took my phone and I took photos of the screen so I could quote this directly. <laughs> so I have this, I'm gonna read from my phone here. So she says, yeah, you, you don't get many like tonight, many gigs like that, you know? And he says, yeah. And then she says, what's wrong, teach? And then he says, It's just, I've been waiting on this day for my entire life. I thought I'd feel different. And then she responds with her little story. I heard the story about a fish. He swims up to this older fish and says, I'm trying to find this thing they call the ocean. The ocean says the older fish. That's what you're in right now. This, says the younger fish, this is water. What I want is the ocean. So I'm taking those words and that little story with me for the upcoming days and uh, thinking about in what way does that connect with? reality for me. I mean, you heard the same story. You heard it uh, four times, Brittany. What, what was, um, did that stir something in you or was there just kind of a sense of disconnect with it?
1: When, when I think about it, whether or not it's true for myself, that flow space for me is when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when I am performing things that I've written and I often get off the stage and plummet into this really deep, sad space of like, but it's over now, is this all there is? And then having to remind myself that not only is is, is are these moments just for this moment and then there's still a whole world of life out there that's outside of this moment. To cher- I've had to teach myself cherish these, these, these great moments of flow and then remember that they're not all of life. And I feel like Joe lived his whole life thinking that this one moment was going to be the defining moment of his whole life. And in that he missed his whole life. And so for me, it's just a reminder of like, you have to find your life and your, your purpose outside of these things that are your flow. Because your flow is great, but it's not all your life is. There are other things.
2: Brittany, I just want to briefly just react to, you know, how you've had those moments of being in your flow and then trying to recognize, hey, you know, this, this isn't it. There's other things beyond that. Right. And it's funny because I kind of feel like I'm on the other side of that feeling like, I don't know what my flow is. Like Mm. I haven't gotten to a point where I don't even, I feel like my whole life I've had this question of, not just like the bigger purpose question, but just as simple as like, what am I really good at? Like, what are the things that I'm performing at or when I'm doing that, I'm in my flow. And I've always, I feel like having grown up in a musician family, especially like my dad or my brother, Mm -hmm. that takes a very vivid embodiment in that I've seen them in their flow. That be both elated, you know, during it and then kind of the low that comes after that. And I feel like I'm chasing like oh, I need to find my flow. Like if this is my spark, right, or my whatever, um, what is it? Because I haven't found uh, something where I perform or am, am in the zone for. And I guess it kind of helps me realize, like, as someone who's looking for what that flow is, that I don't have to keep chasing that uh, and obsessing over that because the journey. <laughs> I mean, it's cheesy, but just the journey is is worth it. But also just that's not it. When I get to the moment where I might find aspects of my flow, I'm not going to feel like my whole life's achievement has come to a culmination. And my brain keeps telling me it will. So thank you
1: for saying that, Brittany. It's okay, Rebecca, let's
2: put on the brakes here a bit.
1: (laughs) That's so funny, because I feel like, like, again, opposite side, I'm trying to find all the other things. (laughs) All the other things that make life You know beautiful it's like okay i know i like this i know i'm good at that but what else you know
0: yeah because you guys are echoing also later you know joe says to 22 your spark isn't your purpose the last box fills in when you're ready to come live not to dismiss the reality of suffering the film doesn't say a lot about that explicitly (laughs) (laughs) What to do about suffering, whether it's in the culture, whether it's in systems, whether it's inside individuals, what do we do with that, that reality, you know, of unspeakable loss. And yet, just to think about, this is the ocean, feels like an invitation. It's also not like the typical appeal to mindfulness like when you're eating that pepperoni pizza, you know, like eat it more, <laughs> eat it more mindfully. This is life, you know. <laughs> like, wow, this is great. Well, how do I eat that more mindfully? I just like think about <laughs> I slow down because my wife's always telling me I eat too fast. The fish story is not about just that kind of mindfulness, it's just it's an awareness of your vision being wider.
2: I was just thinking about the very vivid moments in which I really did feel like life was at its peak was biting into that slice of pizza in Italy. <laughs> oh, man, with that crispy. Oh, man, Chris. Oh, man, the, listen. Yeah, I just that's real. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just going to say that that definitely was maybe part of our purpose is to eat pizza.
1: <laughs> i'm gonna echo you i think the best pizza i ever had in my life was at this little hole in the wall place in orvieto yeah and i've never been able to eat pizza the same and i'm vegan now and i'm like what was i thinking <sighs> giving up pizza so i'm, I'm looking for alternatives because I, I can't really live without it yeah
0: you may never get there again britney till you get to the great beyond pizza
1: <laughs> <laughs> i might just have to get myself over to orvieto before i have to go to the great beyond
0: I'm, I'm looking for my cinnamon roll that I had uh, it, that I'm looking for in the great beyond that I had 25 <laughs> years ago in Bloomington, <laughs> Indiana. Well, hey guys, thank you so much for this illuminating conversation. It's been a pleasure to be with you and to talk about the film and I uh, hope for our listeners that you're encouraged to engage the film for yourselves and think about how it connects with your own story and with the world, how it allows you to see new things. That's what we hope to stir through our conversation. And I'm really grateful that you guys have participated in this. Well, friends, thanks again for joining us. You can check out Disney's movie Soul on the Disney Channel, Amazon Prime Video, and other movie streaming channels. The wonderful soundtrack heard in today's episode, composed by John Baptiste, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross, can be found on your preferred music streaming platform. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and tell your friends about us. You can find other life-opening articles on our website at nexusonline.org.